Trident Wargaming. Build it, paint it, play it. Hey guys, before we get this episode started, we'd like to send out a big shout out to our patrons, Frederick and Dustin. Uh, thanks for the support. Every little bit helps. Getting a coffee, getting a brew as we sit down to work on uh, projects for uh, our podcast here. Also, we'd like to let you guys know with our new sponsor, Battle Bling. Uh, check out their store. They've got about 200-ish products. Uh, ranging from Titanicus to the Grim Dark uh, nameplates and uh, a whole bunch of bases, tokens, stuff like that, even stuff for Gaslands. So check them out. Um, you got your Instagram and their uh, Facebook pages and everything else. So hope you guys enjoy the episode. Catch you on the tabletop. Hey everyone, welcome back. It's Trident Wargaming. I'm Andy. Uh, I have special guest Chris here today, one of our local bolt action players. How's it going, Chris? I am doing well. How are you? Very well, very well. Uh, Glad to have you on. Uh, This is going to be another bolt action episode. We're going through another army, and both me and Chris play this army, and it's the army of France. So... Uh, it should be good little uh, session here, going through the army, special rules, uh, you know, units and whatnot. Um, and just so you know, guys, that we are uh, mainly going through the main book of France and the Allies, uh, mainly the France part of it. So uh, should be good. But yeah, it's it's a different army, different uh, flavor to it, I would say. And not a baguette, so we're uh, we're going to go through this. Um, but first, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about hobby wise. The hobby front. What do you got going on over there, Chris? Uh, recently, I finished a German Martyr Three, and uh, that's an excellent kit by Warlord. By the way, I know some of their kits can be hit or miss. I'm not looking at the Hetzer. <laughs> but I'm looking at the Hetzer. Uh, but if you're thinking about it, that Martyr 3 is a good kit. Very nice. And uh, finished up a Panzer 1. And that was also a Resin Warlord. And okay. uh, Soviet Assault Engineers. I got those buttoned up recently too. Very good. Some good progress on minis. Oh, yes. How about you? What do you got going on? Uh, unfortunately, nothing bolt action related, really. Um, essentially, it's I've had to work on some horse heresy uh, for the podcast and whatnot. Um, but always, uh, always got different projects on the go. Uh, still got to finish off the uh, DAC for um, pretty much uh, next month. Uh, so for the uh, five hundred points that we got to get done for slow grow which uh, I do have to uh, put out there. It has been very successful as of this far. Tons of players. Um, I think we're sitting at 20 plus players for the slow grow and um, just kind of getting prepped for, for that 
you know, for the uh, different little local gatherings and uh, also the event coming up um, uh, will actually be passed as this podcast is uh, being released. Um, our Winterfront uh, um, event, so it'll be a good little uh, bolt action event. And yeah, just kind of kind of in a little bit everywhere, just building stuff, painting stuff, you know, going through some of the minis and uh, even just, you know, looking, looking through books. So yeah, that's kind of, kind of where I am for my hobby. Um, so it'll be picking up uh, throughout the next few months, be picking up on different projects and, uh, and just, uh, just getting stuff done, you know, little by little. So so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. So I know, um, I know sometimes it's tough to buckle down, you know, trying to get certain projects done. But uh, when I have like the certain projects that I'm working on, if I'm in the middle of working on them, I tend to make like little side notes to make sure that I know when I get back to them, okay, this is what I did, right? Especially with the paints and the colors and and all that stuff and and uh luckily enough with my um <clears throat> with my germans there they're actually fairly simple to get done so i can you know take a couple days and just hammer out tons of miniatures right so it'll be good so yeah those back do look good on what you're working on <laughs> thanks yeah no a lot of uh a lot of people have, have really liked the way they looked so i was very pleased um, it's funny cause initially the first miniature that I did, um, and I did, uh, there was a, a post that I did about it and, uh, it was okay. I wasn't quite happy with it. I followed one of the guys on YouTube, um, used his colors, kind of try to do the same thing he did, but it just, it, everything kind of blended in too much. And I was like, mm, don't like the look of this. So I'm going to try it again. Found another guy, kind of changed up some colors, uh, made the green on them, the tropical uniform kind of show a little bit more. And, yep. uh, and yeah, it, it turned out, it worked out. And then my usual magic AK that I do. And um, yeah, went from there. Let it rip and got a whole bunch done. Like most of the infantry is probably done. Um, which I still got to finish that video and post it as well, how I did it. And then, uh, we have a Panzer three that I got to do up and the 88 as well. Ooh. Yeah. So I have the colors all set for them. Uh, just need to get it on the airbrush and, and get going. And then I'm trying to do a little bit of like, uh, the weathering, like the chipping and stuff, especially with yep. the desert colors. Uh, it really, it really comes forward and, and shows, you know, um, as you're, you have these models all done up and whatnot. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of, kind of the game plan for them. And it'll be, uh, it'll be a pretty good feeling once I get those guys done. Cause for the last few years I've, like worked on projects, but I haven't quite gotten them complete. And I kind of jump onto another project or another system, right? So 
my whole goal, uh, part of my goal this year is to get like a couple uh, bolt action armies done, if not th about three of them. So they'll be the first. I'll finish up the winters, winter Germans, and then uh, probably do an ally force um, because I've been playing Germans for a long, long time. So Fair enough. Yeah. What Panzer III did you decide to go with? Did you do uh, very historical and do the uh, the E, or did you do the, I believe it's L, L or M? What did uh, you choose? I think it was the L that I did. I can't even remember now. Um, but uh, it's a Warlord kit, um, and I ended up just kind of assembling it, and and uh, I didn't glue the uh, the cannons on it yet. So I can swap out for something I wanted, but yeah, I just, uh, essentially I don't have it beside me here. It's kind of stored away. Otherwise I would have showed you. I don't even have a list up. It's been a while, but, um, I figured, well, you know, like I don't want to be running anything larger. You know, I think a Panzer, Panzer three is, is nice to have in there. It looks good. And, um, it essentially is an effective tank for, for that, uh, era kind of thing. And, um, it just matches the army. Right. So, um, so it's good. I think it had, uh, what is it? Medium anti-tank gun on it and then machine guns. So. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they're medium anti-tank, yeah. but, uh, I think it's the J if you go in the Western desert book, it's got the 50 millimeter, but, uh, the ammunition they used, isn't the greatest, so I think it downgrades it to a pen value of four. Okay. I think. Don't quote me on that. Everybody can send you the hate mail if I got that wrong. Ah, don't worry about it. It's your game. It's my game. <laughs> so yeah, like it's it's nice having the the minis to do all that stuff. So you know whatever whatever I choose. Like when I did my Germans, um, I had the the Stug all done up in winter camo and, and I took pictures of it and instantly I had somebody saying, you know, well, they didn't have that in Stalingrad and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, cool. <laughs> well, this is just my German force fighting in winter. Like, here you go. Have fun. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Complain to the nine hours of painting I put onto this thing. Yeah, exactly. So it's, um, is what it is, but, but yeah, there's, I just love it. Cause like these kits have a lot of good options, you know, and, uh, whatever you like to play really, you know, that's bottom line. You, you, you essentially have invested your time into it. So wouldn't let anybody kind of hit you up on that just because, you know, maybe you got it wrong. Okay. Well, cool. <laughs> Let me play. Let me roll some dice. But uh, going forward, we are going to be talking about this French army. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure you get a little bit of flack at the local club. People teasing you or making some kind of baguette joke about the Fr French and uh, how the army runs and whatnot. I know I always get it. So. Uh, yeah. it's, it's fun to play. I, I do, enjoy, the, I do enjoy playing them. There is the odd white flag joke made. I will admit that. Run away. Yep. 
<laughs> yeah, I get that all the time too. Um, I just pretty much play into it, right? Have fun with it. So that's good. It's the only thing you can do. Exactly. And then bust out those white and blue dice that we have with the uh yes. with the rooster on it, right? So <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh Army of France, let's let's go over their special rules. Uh they're a little interesting. Um so like the first special rule is the uh the communication breakdown. Um, so essentially, you know, this is, they're trying to recreate the whole thing with the, the French command and, and the officers and whatnot, how, uh, there literally was a, a breakdown, you know, uh, they didn't really know what was going on or, uh, it took too long to relay messages or officers essentially had their own idea of what, you know, um, what to do or, or, uh, what they thought they should be doing kind of thing. So in game terms though, uh, essentially on the first turn, you draw a dice like normal. If it's a French dice, your opponent can essentially put it back in the bag and redraw. Right. I think it's kind of a little cool thing. Just kind of throw in there. Um, I'm glad it's only on the first turn. You know, it couldn't be a critical moment though. Depends, you know, if you have your tanks lined up or something like that. But I don't think it's a game-breaking mechanic. No, it's definitely just a flavor adder. Like you say, just the first turn of the game. If that was uh, the first die of every turn, my goodness, that could be devastating at the wrong time. Oh, 100%. It would uh, probably, like, piss you off enough not to play the actual army, right? Ooh, I don't know. There are Italian players out there, so... Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, like, overall, again, to me, it's it doesn't break anything. Uh, I do like how they've tried to put a little bit of that historical feel into it. Uh, even though like when you actually are looking at the army and stuff as well, it's, it's quite a nice looking army, you know, with the miniatures and, and we'll get into that a little later with miniatures. Um, so having that in there just to kind of show, Hey, you know what? The French really weren't that well prepared for this war. And this is kind of what happened. So let's put it into the game. So. Um, the next one, Forward Artillery Doctrine, uh, which is essentially what they did. They, they tend to fight with their artillery up front. Uh, so one free, you pretty much get one free inexperienced or regular artillery unit, and that can be an, uh, an anti-tank gun or an artillery piece. Um, in addition to what you normally could purchase for points, right? Yes. It's... Now, I noticed when you play your army, Andy, mm -hmm. you do the double regular medium howitzer. That's right. How do you find that works for you? Uh, <laughs> no pun intended. It's hit or miss. Uh, 
but essentially what it does for me is it becomes this big deterrent against the enemy right so like having the two how like my army tends to have a lot of pie plates as an example these two artillery pieces that mean i don't know like i would never take inexperienced or anything uh lower than a medium right i, I just it's free i don't see why you would unless it's something thematic right um which is fine but yeah the two medium howitzers being able to if you can line them up get those nice open shots on units taking out veterans like I've, I've mentioned before in the past with some of the tactic talk and stuff um, even with preventing units going into buildings um, so it, it's a pretty good deterrent it's a pretty good um, unit buster and and sometimes I've even taken that straight on shot on vehicles and, and have blown them up on the other hand depending on your battlefield there's been a lot of times where because my army is so large, because I tend to run, and we'll talk about this with the next rule, I tend to run a lot of inexperienced units. I may overstep my deployment and kind of have them positioned in a bad spot, right? And I know you can get away with that with like spotters and whatnot, um, but sometimes I've, I, I kind of cut points somewhere and sometimes the spotter goes, which it's not the, probably not the best idea, but I like to try to keep my infantry, um, maxed as well if I can. So yeah, absolutely. Lo you know, long story short, <laughs> they're great. If you can definitely use them, um, to the full effectiveness against, harder units to take out they do great i know i've put you know uh big large japanese squads uh down to like nothing because of these so combination with this combination with a mortar combination with uh, i usually take a char that has a howitzer on it as well so there's a lot of shots going right so but again it, it's 50 50 I do enjoy having them on the field. I have multiple models for different types and stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's one of my favorite units and, and most armies, not just my French, but I, I tend to take a howitzer for that. And I'm always looking for that direct shot. Right. So. How I'm pretty well the same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a light howitzer is almost always an auto include for me. I would take that over a mortar in most lists but yeah. specifically to the french i take a bit of a different approach i will pay for the light howitzer right and i will take the free medium howitzer at regular but i will not pay for a spotter okay yeah and i do that because of the minimum range when you're doing indirect on a medium howitzer it's it's atrocious, isn't it? Like 30, 30. or 36 inches? Yeah. Yeah. Because I find, yeah. Yeah. If you're going to do double medium howitzers, I find you tend to get a deployment where they're either both on one side, where they're obviously the opponent's going to make that target number one, 
or you do kind of the crisscross where one is in either corner. Yeah. And you're and you're shooting baskets over at each corner kind of thing. Yeah. And and again when it comes to objectives or not objectives, it comes to missions uh and your army deployment, you have to kind of watch out because you you end up stringing yourself out maybe a little too thin. And, yes. And you know, you you don't have anything to protect it or you know, you get out deployed because you know, you've, you've lost the draw kind of thing or whatever, or you have to make a decision of what you're going to deploy. Well, that's two howitzers that I want to put on the field, but that's taking two out of my, as an example, two out of my five units that I got, that I'm allowed to put on the board. Well, what are you going to do, yep. right? Like, you know, or, or you get that weird mission where the opponent is coming on from a different board edge and you're in the corner so you can technically get hit from the other board edge and then you're now you're losing that artillery piece because they're hitting you in the flank kind of thing right and you're not getting your gun shield rule when they do that exactly so it's it's a good doctrine uh i i like it a free unit in any army is great um and there's a few of them as we know um, having the artillery piece, uh, I do like it. The French definitely use tons of artillery, World War One, World War Two. Um, so right on on that one. Um, other people might say it's, you know, it's a little OP, but essentially looking at that and then looking throughout the rest of the army, you know, the options that they have, uh, they are slightly limited. So I'll give it to them for that, right? Um, what do we got next? Ah, uh, yes, the other one I like, <laughs> the other free unit. <laughs> so, uh, hurriedly conscripted reserves. Now, this allows you to take three or more uh, inexperienced infantry sections, and then you'll get a infantry section free uh, of that's identical to your cheapest one that you've you've made. Um, so I tend to try to keep these units the same size. If I can max them out, I'll max them out. Um, they're inexperienced. This way I get that fourth inexperienced unit for free maxed out. Right. So essentially I'm running like 40 guys on the field just from this alone, which is a fair bit. And yes, they are inexperienced. So it's going to be tougher to to score hits and whatnot, you know, and it's going to be easier to to get hits. But man, you got bodies on the on the uh, the table, right? <laughs> you know. Well, I also play Soviets, so mm-hmm. man, is that a good feeling? Drown them in models. That's the way much, to do it. Pretty much. The only downside about this um, with my model selection, the mini section that I take. Um, Everything except my char is in pewter. So my case is actually pretty heavy when I do this list. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's it's a little troublesome in that manner. <laughs> Chris went the other route. Uh, so he's, he's got a lot more plastic than I do. Yes. But, Did you want to hit that topic later or you want to hit that one now? We can, we can do that now, actually. Because um, essentially this one, that's what it is. If you want to play an experience, you know, this is the one to go. 
If not, yep. you have options, regulars, veterans, and as, as we go through this, you'll see which ones there are. Um, but in saying that, you know, uh, yeah. So Warlord Games is pretty much where I got my minis from. And do I have it here on my wall? Yes, I do. One second. So... So that is the other set. Um, Chris, you got this set as well, right? Yes, I did. All yeah. my infantry are the plastic. Yeah. So it's a really good set uh, in plastic for the French, and hopefully they're coming out with uh, some plastic French for World War Games as well. Uh, but essentially both, you know, both minis are great. Uh, there's a lot of detail to, to each mini. Um, posing wise, you know, uh, I think the, the plastic ones are a bit more <laughs> posable. Um, yeah, definitely. So, but as you Those said, were. as you said before, Chris, when you were putting them together, you were saying something about the, um, the arms for those, uh, yeah. plastic miniatures. Actually, I was just going to bring that up. It is 100% worth your time to take it easy and... Don't cut anything out. Just look over the sprues multiple times because they do not give you an instruction booklet that puts it in black and white for you. So you got to do a little bit of interpretation. And the numbers, because of course I'm specifically talking the World War II French. Yeah. So they have a weapons sprue that gets you all the World War II era weapons. So there's a bit of overlap between the generic body sprue in the World War II weapons. So take your time and make sure you match up the arms. And I always cut them out and use a little bit of blue tack that uh, I always used for posters as a kid and tack the arms together so you can see how they align and then glue things afterwards. That's my tip on that. Kind of like a dry fit. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. It's a good idea. Yeah prevent the uh, gluing of the wrong arms or the the glue on the fingers or, you know, getting that arm stuck on your finger kind of thing, depending on what kind of glue you're using. Um, Yeah, no, that's a good idea. Um, I think I may have assembled one miniature because I was going to do an unboxing of them. But uh, they're a nice set, and you get a lot of them. Um, And not only that, they have, I believe, the Senegalese in that as well. Yes, they do, because mine are... Uh, plastic Senegalese. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so miniature wise, like myself, uh, before that set even came out, I, I went hardcore on the French for Warlord games and I do like the miniatures. They are, uh, a lot of different poses. You got a lot of prone kind of kneeling poses, uh, different, different soldiers kind of pointing one way. Uh, you have your VB launcher, uh, which is in here too, uh, on a few of them. Uh, but again, they are pewter. So it's like you have only so many poses that they have created and they're nice poses. They're nice minis. Uh, their rifles are a little too thin for my liking. Um, they can easily get bent. They can easily break, um, in, in that extent, right? I still have to figure out a good decent research on uh, stuff for 
maybe protect them better or sealing them to make them a little bit stronger kind of thing. But uh, essentially, you have to watch out because, like, the guns are very long. The rifles are, are fairly long and, and pointy, and you can easily kind of bend, you know, the rifles and stuff. The rest of the models are great. They're they're solid, right? And they have character to them. They've got their long coats and, and whatnot. So uh, really nice miniatures as well. So I have those. Uh, not only is it just the infantry have, I have the artillery pieces, which are pewter, uh, your, um, anti-tank rifle, your MMG, your mortar teams. Those are all pewter as well. Um, and they're pretty basic to put together just like any other army that's pewter like that for Warlord games. You know, um, what else is there? Uh, New scales mix really well. Yeah. That's often a question that comes up. So I always found when I assembled, because I did all War Games Atlantic for all my infantry, yep. and then the weapon teams and artillery, I stuck with Warlord. Yep. And when you first put them, when they're unpainted pewter beside gray plastic, I was looking at it and I thought, man, like I don't think I'm going to be happy with this, but keep the faith. Once you paint them up, they mix in perfectly. Nice. Yeah, I did. Uh, I do remember putting them side by side and taking pictures of them. And I think the, uh, I think the the plastic miniatures are slightly, just slightly bigger, but not by much. So when it's all together, like you said, it just it blends in quite well. Um. So, and then your your. Your tanks and whatnot, again, you have the char that is uh, plastic. And then, um, and these are like Warlord game models and whatnot, maze. And I think it's the Renault's, even Laughly, it, uh, it's resin, right? Resin and pewter, a hybrid. So a lot of small models like that, little pieces, but essentially uh, you're having you know world war ii tanks and stuff that um, you might not be able to find in other scales or other companies um, there are a couple other companies out there that do make other miniatures um i do remember seeing like the the foreign legion there's a whole bunch of miniatures for that kind of stuff and then a couple of like the mechanized uh, mortarized, I should say, uh, uh, units as well. And even some like the sidecars and, and, and motorbikes. And, and then there's cavalry too, which I do have. I just don't have assembled, um, which are, are nice kits as well. So overall, I, I like them. I like both of them. Um, I even thought of switching over more of to plastic. Um, just seemed like a really nice kit. And if I can work in plastic a bit more, you know, I'll kind of go that route. So instead of having, you know, 50, 60 infantry, I'll probably have like 120. Just saying. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think the it... last thing with those uh, War Games Atlantic infantry, mm -hmm. if anybody out there is like me and plays Chain of Command also, for the button counters out there, the some of the platoons... Their fire and maneuver elements 
and some of their more static elements actually use different rifles. Mm. I believe they split one fire team down into fusiliers, and the other one, I forget what the, the term is, but they actually, some will use carbine rifles, and then some will use full rifle length rifles. Okay. And in that War Games Atlantic kit, there's enough rifles to make that platoon historically accurate. Hmm. Nice. I'll have to check that out again. But that's uh, it's pretty cool. I like that. More options. So. Uh, so essentially, those are the special rules for the French, uh, and also miniatures, which we've expressed there. There are other companies that do make other miniatures. You can find them online. I don't have the specific names for for all the companies and stuff, but you can just do a search and find. You'll find something you like. I know that. Um, the other thing with the French is they do have the option of the VB launcher in a lot of their squads, a lot of their uh, infantry sections. Um, I find these to be pretty expensive for 20 points a pop. 6 to 18-inch range, one shot, HE. Um, and I think, has, I think this has a little bit of the old first edition rules in it. Um, cause it's, it's an indirect fire, but it says D2. So I think it's just a small one inch blast essentially. Um, yeah, pretty so. well. I think you could spam those. Uh, no, sorry. You can't spam those quite like a Japanese grenadier squad where they can get three. Yeah. So these would be more of a sprinkled throughout your army. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. I do know, uh, not in the main book here, but in the I think the Battle of France campaign book, which uh, we'll touch at touch on at a later time. Um, there is a unit that literally is a VB launcher unit, so all the all the guys in it can have it. It's expensive. I don't know if I would actually take it or not, but you know there is that option, right? Yeah. So. Well, I'll save the uh, juicy details on that for when you do the uh, yeah. Battle of France. <laughs> but there is a caveat with that unit that I believe you need to buy some, at least three squads of very expensive infantry yeah. before you're even eligible to take that. Yeah, that's right. Now I remember that too. It's been a while since I've looked at that book. But um, yeah, carrying forward. Uh, so your HQ... And units and whatnot, they're all pretty generic. You know, your medic, your your forward observers. Uh, same kind of idea. Very generic. Um, as you go forward into, like, the infantry and whatnot, uh, again, you have your infantry sections, which are both uh, regular and inexperienced. Um, the one thing I do know with the French is their selection of SMGs is kind of weird. So, first off, you're allowed to upgrade a guy with a pistol, right? And that guy who has the pistol, if you have an LMG, he's your loader. So, in that sense, you're like, okay, he's loading, he's not firing, he can have a pistol, I'm not going to spend any more points. Well, if you want to have an SMG, it actually replaces the guy who has the pistol and 
I just and, and I can't wrap my head around it because it's like, well, I, I get what it's going to be used for more for that close range fighting, the close combat kind of thing. Uh, you know, that one guy with the SMG. But essentially, he's not going to really be doing anything if you're firing your LMG, right? So, I don't know. I don't know if I'd take the SMG in the squads. If I was playing hardcore competitive, I would not do that SMG. Because yeah. you still got Tough Fighter with the pistol. Yeah, that's true. So, if you're maxing out your infantry squads, let's say you take five infantry squads, and you're saving three points... There's 15 points saved just doing one soldier with the pistol. Yeah. Not 15 points you could put towards something else. No, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. Without really sacrificing too much. Uh, of course, it would be the one shot at 6 inches versus 2 at 12. But I mean, if you're doing that with the already having the LMG in the squad... You're not really going to miss out on the capabilities of an SMG. That's true. And there's there are other units that you can capitalize on SMGs. So, you know, fear not if you have miniatures that are just sitting there. You do have other options for to making other units that you may you may or may not want to use, but it's there. Um, they also do have the option of the VB launcher at twenty points. Uh, again, I, I think. 20 points is a lot for that weapon. Um, but it is an option. So what you can use it for, you know, you can lay smoke down smoke with it, I think. Um, or taking out some light vehicles, you know, transports, stuff like that. But again, you need, you'll, you're always going to need a six, right? So it's, it's, I don't know if it's worth it. Uh, I have tons of miniatures for it. I, a lot of times I don't take it just, just because, just because of that 20 points. Again, you know, 20 points a unit, it adds up. You could have a whole other unit for that in a sense. Kind of puts your infantry section in a, uh, an awkward spot too. Because a VB launcher, uh, let me flip back a page here. Is range 6 to 18 inches. That's relatively close range. So if you were thinking of sitting back with an LMG in the squad and handing out at least one pin a turn kind of thing, 18 inches, that's not helping you really. No. Just makes it awkward, I find. It's a, you know, it's a nice little add-on, you know, to show what they, they were using back then too. Because really no other... Um, there might be other armies or units that do use something similar to it, but you know you don't uh, you don't really see it too much on the board. So, um, so yeah, take it or leave it. Up, you know, let us know what do you guys think. Maybe you have another idea behind it, what you use it for. Let me know. It'd be interesting to see see what you guys think. So uh, the next few units. Um, Depending on which one it is, I, I may butcher some of these names. So, <laughs> um, so we have the uh, the dragoons ports or dragon ports, however you want to pronounce that. Chris, you might know better than I do, but uh... <laughs> Ooh, surprisingly, no, I don't. 
you'd think my last name would say I should know yeah. how to, but <laughs> no, I don't. Um, but essentially, these are the the more, uh, motorized infantry sections um, that, that the French, you know, had. Uh, they're usually about ten men strong. You know, you you get an SMG for your NCO, two LMGs in this one, um, VB launchers, and then like anti tank um, grenades as well. So. Uh, you start getting into a little bit more uh, solid units with these. I think I didn't have this written down. I think these guys can be regular, right? Uh, yeah, the uh, the dragoons and the chasseurs—they're regulars. There is no other option go. for them. There you go. And um, these guys, uh, like I like to put these in in the transport and zip them around. Having regulars, you know, kind of getting getting them to where I want them. Uh, I even have different models for them to to represent them in the army, which is pretty neat. So these are kind of these are your regulars, you know, double LMGs, which I like. Um, that double LMG is uh, not common for early war. Riding on the heels of your last podcast with the uh, the armies of Great Britain. Uh, a lot of armies don't get double LMGs until very late in the war. No, that's true. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's great to see, and and that's the thing too with this army. You know, from the book, it's you're you're fighting early war, right? Oh yeah. Um, I know myself when I first was starting into bolt action. That's kind of what I was doing. Is I was I was actually building armies from the early war. Right. I just, I, I quite enjoyed it. You know, um, I, I definitely did play against a lot of players who were doing mid late and a lot more late than anything. Um, but also always being that player who kind of a little bit of the underdog, you know, and playing inexperienced armies against all these veteran armies and just trying to make, uh, not hard for myself, but there's that challenge there's that breaking of the uh the mold kind of thing right to show hey you know what this is viable too right um plus kind of that little theme with the french right that their infantry were of all sorts of uh in, in experience uh just due to the fact of the way you know they didn't really want to fight another war and there was a lot of um uh, of their army that were just kind of laid back and did not want to, to fight. So they had a lot of inexperience. They had a lot of regulars that were there, veterans, but when they rushed for that, you know, conscription pretty much, um, a lot of new faces. So going into the early war with this unit, uh, you can have a good time with them. They can be your meat and potatoes of your army, right? If you want to do a mechanized, motorized army, uh, you can do that with this. There's uh, some nice little transports and stuff you can take for, for the army. You know? Um, and then, of course, it's nice, too, for that, that theme, the thematic part of the the army, too. You can build your, your force around this. So, Speaking uh, of theme, too, uh, the Dragoons and the Chasseurs, yep. I believe... They had blue trousers. 
So if you want some color in a sea of all of drab, <laughs> I believe these guys had a little bit different uniforms. So nice. Yeah. See, and that's the one thing too about this game and the hobby is, and especially with the World War II and historicals, is like. Um, I don't have them with me in front of me. I know they're on my shelf behind me, but uh, there's a whole bunch of reference books out there, and even the internet, right, obviously. Um, but there's there's all this information and pictures and drawings and, and just photos and whatever of these units that you can relate to, that you can make your army pretty much out of what you're seeing and reading and stuff. So um, I, I love it. I, I love the whole starting a new army and, and checking stuff out, you know. So next up, what is it? The Group Frank, the SES, uh, veterans pretty much. So these are like elite formations, I guess, of the French army. And uh, Pretty well, yeah. So they're uh, they're eleven man units, which is interesting, um, from what I remember. And again, they are the same kind of thing, the two LMGs. Uh, but these guys can have up to four SMGs. So you can uh, you can definitely make them kind of your assault units, which as veterans, that's pretty decent. You know, that is wild for early war. Yeah. Possibly up to four SMGs in a squad. That's really good. Yeah. And I'm sure some of the transports out there, because I know there's some, uh, like, armored transports in the back here um, that, you know, you may not be using 11-man units. Maybe you're going smaller. And then if they're, if you're using them as those little assault units, well... Perfect weapon is that SMG, right? So you can bring that out. Uh, as for miniatures and whatnot, uh, I haven't really looked too too deep into these for that, but I'm sure there's a lot out there. Um, yeah, I'm but, in about the same boat. Yeah, but um, but veterans nonetheless. You know, uh, one of the, that's one of the units that you have options for as a veteran. Um, so, you know, if, if that's your jam, which I know a lot of players do go that route with veterans, then, you know, some, one of those units to look at, essentially. It's interesting you bring up the, uh, the 11 man or the 11 model count as your full, uh, squad there. I believe that was actually their historical T-O-N-E okay. for the way they organized their infantry. I think. Hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm actually not 100% sure on that. I'm just going by the book here, but uh, definitely something to look at and and do a little bit more research on. But uh, yeah, it's you know going through a lot of these army books and um, the different nations, you know how their units are are made up. It's interesting to see, like, you know, the Japanese have these large units, but they really don't have that many options in them. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. So, and then you have, 
you have other units and even like the Germans, uh, they're usually pretty expensive to take, but then, um, like I, I've been taking these shoots and squads and they're eight man teams, but they have two LMGs in them, you know? So it's like, okay, when you put them on the battlefield, when you put them on, you got to really watch out how you play them because you start taking hits and it's game over for them instantly. So there's your target number one for your double medium howitzers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, but, uh, but having units like this that are veteran, you know, they're a little bit more, uh, sustainable on the board, you know, put them in a good defensive spot and, uh, they can do some work for sure. For sure. Next up, the Foreign Legion Veteran Infantry Section. That, again, is another veteran unit. Ten man. Same kind of loadout as your regular section. You know, uh, pistol, SMG, LMG, VB launcher. Um, except they have stubborn. And again, this is another unit that very thematic. You can find those miniatures out there, which I know there are because I've seen them. Um, and and you can make that army. You know, uh, they have them in in Africa and whatnot. Have all those trucks. You know, whatever transports that they're using and stuff. So, uh, and and making that that veteran army. That's that's a perfect uh, you know kind of force or, or unit to to base your army on and don't underestimate that stubborn mm -hmm. having just played a lot of british airborne on paper stubborn may not seem like that great of a rule as a little uh it's a free bonus kind of thing yeah. but it has saved my bacon numerous times yeah well i mean because essentially it's when you're um you're broken like you're cut down to half, right? Uh, like casualties for that one uh, shot kind of thing. You get the test on your full morale regardless of, of pins and stuff. So, you know, if you're thinking about it, like you're probably already taking a few hits. You probably already have a few pins on you. Let's say two, you know. Um, just being able to still have your full leadership morale value. Like you said, it's going to save your yep. ass, right? Especially being veteran to begin with. Yeah. Like, uh, without diving into it too hard, the average dice roll you're going to make on two dice is seven. There you go. So if you, let's say you had three pins and you were a regular veteran, see, more often than not, you're not going to make that roll. Yeah, that's true. Survivability. That's what they're about, essentially. But and and it ties into, you know, the Foreign Legion, right? They just they won't give up no matter what. So, and if people are interested in the Foreign Legion, I believe they have a large section somewhere towards the back of the Western Desert campaign book. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. It's a it's a good campaign book as well. Um so definitely check them out if that's what you're you're into, right? 
So we have a few more units for the infantry. Um, these start getting a little interesting. The uh, Senegalese uh, colonial troops, pretty much. Regulars. 10-man, pistol, SMG, LMG, VB launcher, just like all the others. Except these guys have these machetes uh, that give them pretty much tough fighter. So, and they are regular based. So these troops pretty much were sent, you know, used uh, in the armies were pretty much where they were needed. Um, or where they kind of were from. And they uh, wore the same uniforms. They had different, uh, you know, different headdresses sometimes. Um, but they're distinct things, you know, like if you look at the models... The minis is, is their machetes, which are, are pretty neat. Um, but again, it's a good unit. I I tend to take them every once in a while, throw them in a truck, and put them where they're needed. You know, uh, sometimes that truck gets blown up quite quickly, but that's part of the game. So uh, I do like the unit. It gives you that other option. It gives you an, a, um, a close combat option for the army. You know, that, that could be fairly reliable. So, how about you, Chris? Do you concur? Do you use them a different way? I don't have a truck for my French yet. Okay. So I've been foot-slogging these guys. And coming from playing a, a very heavy veteran... Sorry, a veteran-heavy army recently, I'm kind of trying to figure these guys out. Because... Uh, if they were veteran, say like the next entry, yeah. pretty simple, run them forward. You don't need a truck, really. Uh, the 5 plus will keep them alive, and then the tough fighters will do some work for you. But I find being regular and then in conversations with your opponent when they find out they're tough fighters, I find they become target number one. Mm. But that's probably more me putting them in the wrong place. Just me learning, more or less. Well, fair enough. It's uh, the close quarter fighting in bolt action. It, it's it's very simple uh, compared to you know first edition. It it is very simple, but at the same time, you may not uh, experience enough of it to really kind of be like. Uh, successful at it I guess in a sense right because like with these guys if you're able to like you want to want to go after another regular unit or or inexperienced unit but depending on what you're, who you're playing you, there might not be that option if you're going against veterans I would I would take a step back and double think that you know that order like veterans are very hard to knock out close combat wise your numbers are worse than his you know his or hers right um so depending depending what they're facing up against is essentially what you look at essentially do you have the numbers you know um because you may make an assault but if you're you're rolling those dice and you're not getting those hits you're going to lose that unit quick so that's an excellent point 
Because if I was playing uh, my Airborne and you ran these against me, I would I would welcome that combat. Yeah, I would take my chances. And and yeah. and that's it. Like there's other units and there's other uh, nation rules that um, you know taking on these guys. There's stuff that you can do, right? And there's other units that just have a little bit better rules than these guys. So I think what happens is just because of that, oh, that whole unit has tough fighters, right? And they're regulars or, or they're veterans or whatever the case may be. I think sometimes you get uh, the superhero kind of effect, you know, where you, you think these guys are going to be maybe a little bit invincible because they have the tough fighter rule. Whereas that may not be the case, right? It's all all depending on the situation that you're in. Because there is other units that, you know, not only do they have tough fighters, they also have another rule that essentially they can't break or they keep fighting or, you know, your uh, they get extra hits for however many guys they have kind of thing, right? So I equate these guys almost to... Uh like the NKVD for the Soviet, okay. where they're kind of in an awkward spot where the NKVD, you can purchase them as fanatics. So veteran fanatics, that's nothing to joke about. But regular fanatics, it's in that that price point where you paid the points, but I don't think you'll get the mileage out of the points per model. Right. Yeah. No, it's a good point. It's a good point. Um. If you do like the unit, though, like, you know, by all means, throw them out there. See how you do. Again, maybe you have different tactics. Maybe your whole army is based off of these guys. I, I haven't seen it yet, but could be interesting to see. Might even try it, you know. Um, let us know. Next up, so the uh, Moroccan Gomier, they're veteran auxiliary troops. Uh, pretty much similar to the Senegalese, except their weapon options, they don't have as much, right? It's, it, they're essentially just, uh, what do they have? LMG, I believe they can take. So they, um, they're veterans though. That's the thing. And they have tough fighters. So it's, yeah, there you go. Late machine gun. So in a sense you probably would take these guys instead. Right? I would, yeah. So, um, they're going to be tougher in combat. Same kind of uh, idea as what we were talking about, about the Senegalese. Um, so, do some damage to these guys. It can be a deterrent. You know, uh, they can kind of shadow other enemy units and then make their move when it's when it's right. Uh, Miniature-wise, there are a couple companies out there that do make some of these uh, miniatures that would fit fit these guys. Um, but essentially, yeah, just straightforward veterans uh, with an LMG option that has tough fighters. Uh, it's pretty simple, straightforward. You know, they want to go in there and and uh, punch somebody. <laughs> so <laughs> they do lack that uh, distinctive option. I find when you get uh a veteran tough fighter unit, it's very tempting to put SMGs in them. Yeah. So let's say you had a scenario where you're jumping them out of a truck. I've often been in a scenario where you think, 
am I better off to shoot that four-man squad with all my extra dice, or am I better off to assault them and risk the roll-off? Where these, even though they would be cheaper, it removes that temptation. You know what you're going to do. Yeah. You're not going to shoot them with rifles. No. No. That's uh, that's very true, and you know what? I've I've made that mistake before, too, where... I have the uh, the firepower, but yet I go and I assault anyways, right? And it could be just, you know, I I, I, I get that superhero feeling. These guys aren't going to die because they're going to go in combat. And, and because I have tough fighter because of this, uh, because of the SMGs or something, something like that, I go in and then we roll off and I roll poorly and then I lose that unit. Right, it happens all the time. These guys, like you said, I, I, I would throw them in there. Wouldn't even worry about. It. Just go, do their thing. If they win, awesome. Right. If you put them in a spot where you know you have a way better chance, even better. You know, so put them in. Uh, put them up against some units that you know you'll have the advantage of. Doesn't hurt at all. Um, next we have the cavalry section and they can be, I think a regular and or vets 13 man strong. Uh, they have LMGs or one LMG. Um, the interesting thing with them is when they're mounted, uh, I believe their rifles are like used as like pistols. That seems really punitive. Yeah. So there's that, and then when they're on foot, they're they're rifles. So, like, but there are a lot of other bonuses for being cavalry and bolt action. Yes, definitely is. Um, and movement is just great for getting them somewhere wherever you need, right? And uh, I mean, what other armies really have cavalry? Uh, Polish, Germans, Polish, Polish, and Germans. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the Soviets had any. Don't recall. I don't remember seeing them in the books. But definitely I, these three. Yeah, I don't think the Soviets have cavalry. Yeah, I thought maybe they did, but could be uh, could be a different game. I'm thinking of maybe a different time period. <laughs> Entirely possible. But but yeah, it's you don't see cavalry on the board that often, right? Yeah, I've never dibble dabbled in the cavalry use. And to be honest, I've never played against cavalry in bolt action. Yeah, I, I, I've I've seen them uh, uh pretty much they it's like you get your first move and they're halfway up the board already kind of thing and then they dismount. Right, and then and then that's it. Now they're just a infantry unit kind of thing. So interesting unit. Um, I have some models for it still in blisters, so that tells you a lot. Uh, so <laughs> eventually they'll get on the board. Um, but you also do have a motorbike section as well. Uh, so very mobile again. You know, uh, put an LMG in there kind of thing. So 
very cool looking, you know, thematic kind of units, these, even like the cavalry and the motorbike section, right? So you can uh, definitely play around with, with these, the army. You can have the theme to your army in a whole bunch of different ways, just with a few of these units. You know, you can add on these units to, to, to your regular force kind of thing and, and make something unique, you know, or something to maybe what you like to play and just have fun with. So, um, but, uh, you know, overall these units, uh, they have their, their strengths and weaknesses, just like everything else. Most of them are very generic, uh, compared to, uh, some of the other armies as well. Um, again, that era of the, the war, you weren't seeing a lot of the advanced tech yet, right? You know, as you see throughout and you go to the late war and you, you go to the larger nations, um, you know, that started getting all this fancy equipment. Some of the units that they are lacking, uh, for like infantry is kind of like your anti-tank, you know, like bazookas and, and Panzerschrecks and stuff like that. Uh, obviously they don't have any. Um, and then you also have like flamethrower units. They don't have any in the book. And they do add a flamethrower in the engineer section in the Battle of France book. There you go. So. But that being said, I actually had to read into it myself. And because of the doctrine that the French army had at the outbreak of the war, being pretty much purely defensive, yeah. they viewed a flamethrower as an offensive weapon. So they had very few, enough to say they didn't have them. Huh. So if, if you don't care about button counting, have at her. But uh, there's an interesting little bit of useless knowledge for everybody. <laughs> um, that's, see, that's good. It's, it's, you know, I didn't even know that myself, really. But uh, the nice thing is, you know, just from this book alone, you know, these are kind of the options, but you do have other books in the game um, that can give you even more options, which is nice. Um, I, I do like that they did expand on them throughout a couple of the campaign books. Uh, it gives them some nice options and, and nice flair to, to the army. And uh, I, I, me personally, I think it's such an iconic army as well. You know, the uniform, the helmet, you know, um, the look of the army. And then being able to uh, to get an army all painted up and on the field, I think it's pretty iconic looking, and uh, and not a lot of not a players play them. You know, um, I played them for a bit. I haven't played them in a while, and then Chris has started playing them as well, uh, which is pretty neat. Which I'm pretty happy to see on the board when they're all they'll be all painted up before mine. That's for sure. So. <laughs> well, in all fairness, this is my slow grow army. Yep. So, yeah, That's good. Where, where yours was the deck, so I wouldn't feel bad by any means. Oh no, no, no! I just uh, I know when I started them, I uh, I got into that mode of like get them all assembled and get them on the board so I can start playing them kind of thing, right? And then I didn't really sink too much time into trying to paint. I did get some color on, but yeah, that's a different story. So, um, yeah, continuing forward, you know, the other teams like MMG teams, you know, boys, anti-tank rifles, sniper teams, light, medium mortars, 
uh, all pretty generic. Not a lot on them. Uh, I do know they don't have any heavy mortars in this book. Um, I don't really know if too many armies even really had that option. Um, I was I was so used to playing Soviets that had it. So, you know, um, French don't have it in this book. So might have it in the other campaign books and stuff. Their light mortar is a three-man team, though. <laughs> Most are two. That is true. I think the American one is also a three-man team, but uh, hmm. you definitely lose out with the three-man team. You no longer get the small team bonus when they're being shot at. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. You usually get hit by a sniper anyways, so. There Dirty goes, snipers. There goes the gun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and then like as you as you go into like your artillery and stuff as well, uh, pretty generic light, medium, heavies. You know, gun shields. Uh, you have those options. Um, they do talk about the type of you know which models of artillery and whatnot in there, and kind of where they fit in, just like every other book. Um, so there's those options. Um, your anti-tank guns, essentially you have your lights and your mediums. Um, there is no heavy guns in this book. So they do have, uh, one unit, uh, of, it's a light anti-tank gun where you can downgrade to a low velocity and you'll find, you'll find in the French, army and units and especially when you start looking into their tanks there's actually a lot of low velocity so essentially it's it's a three plus pen instead of a four for your uh, anti-tank guns so they quite they weren't quite there yet you know what i mean did you notice on that light anti-tank gun in uh entry it says team two men didn't yeah. notice that actually where most most other armies are three men but for the same price of 50 points <laughs> now i also had to look this up artillery pieces do not benefit from small team if they did that would be the deal of the century right there you oh, might man. actually want to take one but uh hmm. yeah that's interesting eh? interesting little thing to catch But of course, if uh, you go to the Warlord Games website, that model, if you buy it from Warlord, I believe it comes with three models. Oh, it probably does. Maybe it's Same with the, uh, the light artillery model, if you buy that from Warlord. The team comes with three men, but the model comes with four. Uh, yeah, I think I might have that one, actually. Can't remember. I know I do have... I do have one that has like four guys on it, so it's interesting. Don't know the uh, purpose of that or reasoning behind it, but uh, yeah, I guess call it, is it a what free it is. model. More you're getting a deal. More miniatures, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, they do have an anti-aircraft uh, gun, the, uh, the Hotchkiss anti-aircraft gun. 
Um, essentially, you can add a second auto cannon to it for an extra 30 points. So two auto cannons, light auto cannons. It's really their only option for that. And then we roll into the vehicles. Um, so a lot of tanks, very similar tanks. Uh, let's look at here. We have uh, the Renault. It's an armored carrier. So these, um, you know, seven plus armored carriers. There's so yeah again going back to some of these rules that a lot of the tanks have and whatnot is you're gonna find one man turret. That was a thing with the French. The usually the commander was also like the gunner, right? So they have the one man turret. So essentially, uh, if you're doing an advance order, um. You know, even if you don't have any pins on you, you have to make an order test. And sometimes that sucks. So, um, there is, when you read into that, you know, it's, apparently it's only on the advance order. So, if you're doing a run, you know, that's kind of, uh, you kind of veto that. So, again, if you have a tank, like, that's off the board, you're, you're going to be running to make try to get him on the board, in a sense, right? And it, it's kind of weird, because, like, usually when you're off the board, you got to make an order test anyways. You know, so I've had a lot of guys ask, well, do I have to make an, an order test to come on the board and then another order test to, you know, to because of that rule? No, you just you just do one. You know, so um, at least that's in my my eyes. It wouldn't make sense to have to be double penalized because of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. That might be covered in the FAQ somewhere. Not a hundred percent on yeah. that, but it might be. I think you're right. Yeah, there's. Uh, can't remember where it was, but. Um, essentially it's you would end up taking the worst role so you're yes. doing you're doing your reserve role right so yeah i find that one man turret rule like i have yet to use a tank with that <laughs> uh rule but yeah. i feel like it's an all or nothing because to avoid that i feel like you'd either be sitting still doing a fire order or you're doing a run to get into position where there's not really any in between. It's all or nothing. One or the other. Make a choice. Yep, essentially. Um, essentially. And some of the tanks, you know, it's kind of. You look at their loadouts for weapons and it's. Yeah, you're, you're, you're sitting there because there's a lot of other rules sometimes that you do get. Um, like this Renault FT, you know. Um, essentially, this is a tank that was like, I guess used or made it you know the final year of world war one um so it's really really early for world war two but uh it, it has the rule slow pitifully slow you're not running there's no run with this thing so you'll be doing order tests all the time for this the uh i think it's the g char d1 it's a light uh has a light 
uh, anti-tank with a coaxial MMG. One-man turret slow. So there it is again, right? So, but there is a difference between slow, pitifully slow, and slow. Yes. Because the slow uh, rule is just an advance and you only move 6 inches. Or you run and move 12. Where that pitifully slow is you literally do a run order, but you only move... Uh, I believe it's just 6 at inches. At the basic speed only. Yeah. Yeah. And fun fact on that Renault FT, is that not the tank patent? Commanded in World War One when the Americans <laughs> joined. Mm, don't know. Maybe I. I didn't. Uh, could have been. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure on that part of uh, of history. Really. Let us know. I'm sure somebody knows. <laughs> somebody has to. <laughs> yeah. It's uh. A lot of these early war tanks are. Um, armaments and whatnot are not that great on them and, and they have all these kind of rules but miniature wise I think it's great seeing them kind of on the board or just having them in your collection right so and a lot of guys well, to see variety yeah that's uh, and, and that's the thing is a lot of guys who play these games you know they just don't have one or two tanks they have a collection <laughs> so it's pretty cool I like it uh, Char D2, it's the same kind of thing, um, except that it has unreliable. So uh, if it suffers one or more pin markers, uh, it actually suffers an additional pin marker. So um, again, one-man turret. So uh, probably not the best option, but um, depending on how thematic you're playing or maybe it's in a theater selector that you can only use these tanks, that kind of thing. You know, that's kind of where you're sitting at, right? A lot of these tanks do have detrimental special rules. But keep in mind, too, they are priced accordingly. Like that Char D2 here, that's 100 points at regular. Yeah. So they aren't the greatest, but they are not costing you much at all. You would be surprised um, with these little tanks, you know, uh, early war-wise. Um, they can actually be really effective, even even if they have those rules, you know, those negative rules. Because um, a lot of times you don't really have anything to take them out, or you do, but it's you're not relying on a, a heavy anti-tank gun. It's a light anti-tank gun that you're, you know, relying on. Um, and, and we all know how one-shot weapons are in the game. Most of the time you're missing, you know what I mean? So, yep. but it is, it is neat to see these tanks on the board. Uh, you know, it, it, it is funny when you're firing a light anti-tank gun or maybe you're firing an auto cannon, right? And, uh, <laughs> it's just, you're not like, I'm not used to it a lot because most players play mid late. Um, so when I do a go against somebody else who's playing early war, it's just, it's fun. It's super fun. I should just have a. Uh, uh, early war tank war battle at some point. And just have, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, just have all these small little tanks on the board. That'd be hilarious. Jason. I had an early war tank game uh, actually against Jason. Funny you mentioned that. <laughs> and uh, the armor that absolutely went rampage on the table 
was a little Polish tank. I was just going to say. 20 millimeter <laughs> cannon. <laughs> it was so odd to see. Like, yeah, this little tankette, that's the panther of this game right now. Interesting. <laughs> that, that little one that can hide behind the fence line, essentially, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I was, it was funny. I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> Too bad Jason wasn't here. He would he would talk about that Polish uh, tank. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, good good chuckles. Um, so the Renault, uh, there's the R35, 39, and 40. Uh, low velocity anti-tank gun. Again, there it is, you know, uh, three plus instead of four plus. Uh, it does have eight plus armor. Uh, you can upgrade the anti-tank gun. Uh, again, one man turret. Nice thing about this one is it has armored all around. So, um, you're not going to get, uh, any bonuses pretty much essentially firing it at any direction. So... Um, and the, the Renault, you know, they're iconic tanks as well, right? So I think I got two of these. I think I got the 39s. Uh, Hotchkiss, H35, H38. One is the other one, H39, I think. Very yeah, similar. this is the, this is the model I picked up from Rubicon. Okay. It's a resin model, but that was some impressive. I've never seen a resin model with that degree of detail and quality. Hmm. So side note for anybody who's looking at Rubicon and says like sees it and says, Oh, that's that's resin, that's not for me. Uh take a take another look. I was very surprised at that. And it comes with the options. Because uh, there is a physical model difference between the H35 and the 38s and 39s. Because I okay. think the 38s and 39s have the high velocity uh, light anti-tank gun. So the barrels are slightly different. And it comes with options for them. Nice. And that's Rubicon. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't have Hotchkiss. But I'd like to, I'd like to have, you know, a, a good selection of vehicles for the french too so if um, you're not taking your army selection too far you're not doing it right <laughs> my french <laughs> army was one of my largest armies at one point and then i bought somebody's soviet collection to add to my collection and that was big so <laughs> um the fcm 36 essentially is pretty much the same i believe as the hotchkiss um, pretty well at least for in-game rules yeah yeah exactly um then you have the amc 35 light anti-tank coaxial eight plus um no no negative uh rules on this thing if you were looking for a solid dependable early war tank i would say that would be a strong contender 125 points at regular no detrimental rules that's not bad at all yeah that's actually pretty good that probably would be the mainstay if you're taking you know um, the tanks like you said pretty good pretty good next up another classic one samoa 
S35. I always like the look of this tank. I do too. Yeah. Yeah, that, I like the little commander hanging out the back on the Warlord model. <laughs> the, they do that a lot with the with the French tanks. Um, yes, they do. Like I said, I have I have two of the Renaults, and one of them I have with the hatch closed, and the other one I have with the, the commander on the, coming out of the hatch, uh, which is pretty neat. So, um, so yeah, it's it's interesting. It's an eight plus uh, again. It now we go back to the one man turret. Um, the French turrets tend to be pretty small. Um, so the one man turret kicks into effect there. And this one has the improved front armor. So it goes up to a nine on the front. Uh, unlike the armored all around, you know, uh, just the front on this guy, but it is, uh, it doesn't have a wide front, um, you know, silhouette kind of thing. So if you have it kind of parked in a decent spot, you can protect your sides still. Um, you just got to watch out on the flanks and stuff. But In early war, if your opponent is also playing the early war era, I think that's huge. Pushing oh, yeah. it up to armor 9 on the front. Yep. If most of your threats are going to be like an anti-tank rifle or a light AT gun, even if they hit you, they're really only getting superficial damage on a five. Say if a light AT gun's hitting you, right? Yep. So that pushes, you could literally tank a lot more than you think you could. And it's only 135 points. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cheap. That's a nice little addition. And that's the thing is these, these tanks aren't super expensive and you still have lots of infantry on the board. So this is just... It's just pure support that could, um, you know, you can use it as a kind of a sledgehammer, right? Push up with your infantry, have your infantry support it so that it's not going to get wrecked on its side by some other infantry unit. Um, and then use that frontal armor and then also use it as cover, essentially, right? Um, so, and that's what you're going to probably start to notice with some of the, the next two tanks, cause they are, um, they are long tanks. Um, so the next one is the Char B1, uh, B1, uh, uh S, BIS. So light anti-tank, coaxial. It has the forward-facing, I guess, light howitzer and the MMG as well. This is the one that I take. So it is slow. Uh, it's a 9+, plus, you know, one-man turret, uh, but it does have armor all around. And I tend to really use the howitzer on it. So it's just... Again, it's another howitzer. It's another plate that I can throw on my opponent if it hits. Uh, usually I'm trying to get like a direct shot on something, right? And the nice thing is you can use your turret um, to fire at something else if you need to. You know, have infantry come up on the side of it protected to get where you need to go. It's slow moving, so you're not going very fast, but at least it's protecting some infantry. You know, or 
essentially it's kind of just creeping up slowly and, and just plugging things, just trying to shoot things uh, with its cannon, landing some hits, hopefully with the howitzer. But people look at it and it's like they kind of get a little worrisome. It is, it's a little bit pricier, right? Because now you're in the 245 range for a regular, you know, um, but it's still not that bad. That price is not bad if you have five inexperienced squads. Exactly. So <laughs> I have a personal little rule that I do not like spending over 200 points on any single order dice. That's why I find myself playing Germans very difficult. Oh, yes. Uh, but this would be the one time I would have no problem going over 200 on an order dice. Nice. Just with all your... Uh, I think your armored all around makes uh, a huge difference. Yeah, at, at this era, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And uh, the one great thing about this uh, tank... I honestly think it's my favorite looking tank. It does have some very awesome camo schemes. Yeah. When I was painting mine, I looked them up. Ooh, that is a modeler's heyday right there. And uh, I, I'm going to just put this out here with no shame. I do own three of them. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, th this tank itself, uh, years ago, me and a, a close friend, we used to, play a couple World War II games online. And uh, this was the tank I always went went towards. And, and I don't know. I just like the look of it, uh, you know, the shape, just the um, beefiness of it as well. And, uh, of course, it's French. But, yeah, just kind of one of those iconic tanks. Just uh, really, really like it. And I like the models. Miniature has some parts on it that are a little finicky. Um, yeah. So, and it's plastic. So, uh, yeah, when you're assembling it, just watch that, watch for that. Um, I do find that's the one thing I do find with some of the tank miniatures is like, if you don't transport it with some protection, you know, like in a proper case or transport, uh, you're going to run into some broken parts easy, right? Unlike some of the other companies that have a little bit more robust miniatures, um, you know, that can take a slide or take a hit kind of thing or a bump. Some of these you have to watch out because they're, they are still model kits in a sense, right? So the other thing I like about the Char B1 is you can, you can throw some caution to the wind with it. Thinking on my previous German, uh, comment there, uh, let's say you have a Stug with the heavy AT gun, anything case mounted, right? You really got to be cautious that you position your tank so you can shoot the gun at what you need it to do without exposing your sides unnecessarily. For this being armored all around, you could throw caution to the wind. You could wheel the howitzer around to get that infantry on stage left and not care whatsoever. And then wheel the turret around and shoot at the armored car coming up at you. You really, it's really player friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty decent. And, um, I do believe, uh, you'll, you'll notice this 
if you do play other armies and you'll notice if you play Germans, I do believe they actually get to use these tanks as well. Um, and then they, I think they modified them to actually have flamethrowers. Yes, they did. So. The pamphlet that comes in the booklet for this, if I remember it correctly, they have the French version, the German version, and then the German flamethrower version. Exactly like you were saying. Yeah. So, a lot of good options. Um, it's, yeah, favorite tank, by all means. Like, I like it. Uh, and then we have the one I don't own. It's pretty expensive. Uh, the Char 2C. Yeah, this thing is something else. I saw one of these at LVO this year. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, I had to do a double take and talk to the guy that brought it. It was impressive. It's big. It is. It's very big. I, I, I have seen pictures of it and, uh, you know, having infantry uh, being blocked by it as it's creeping up kind of thing. Kind of funny to see. But uh, essentially it's like a, it's like a land battleship, you know, with all the weapons that it has on it. But um, surprisingly it costs less than the other char. Yes. So 190 for a regular. Um, one turret mounted light howitzer covering the front and side arcs. And you have a turret-mounted MMG covering the rear and side arcs. Forward-facing MMG covering the front arc. One MMG covering the front and left. One MMG covering the front and right. So lots of weapons on it. Uh, lots of different angles that you can be firing these things, you know, at different units. 9 plus for its armor. has slow then it has the company commander's vehicle can be upgraded to can be up armored to damage value 10 as a heavy tank and given the command vehicle rule at a cost of 105 points so that's where your points kick in so now you're 295 that's... yeah that puts you right on par though with most other nations for a heavy tank yeah would i take it for that no thank you no no because uh that's a lot of points and there's probably going to be tanks out there that can probably chew it apart pretty quickly so if you're doing late war or sorry if you're bringing this french book to late war i definitely would not do that in a personal sense no, no. and if you're sticking to you and your opponent doing early war uh to me, doing damage value from 9 to 10 in early war is very much diminishing returns. But that's my competitive hat looking at it. Yeah. Comparatively, I mean, you know, the, I don't, the game can be that, but I don't really see it myself. I don't really go that direction too, too much. I mean, there's still tactics in every game and all that stuff, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a large target. It has a lot of guns on it, but you know, how much stuff is going to be on your rear? You know, that is true, right? Like, 
is it really going to be that effective? Is it going to get its points back? Probably not. You know, it's just a big centerpiece on the table. Essentially a big rubber ducky. This one reminds me a lot of that big Soviet tank. I want to uh, say some, something 35. Yeah. I, I know which one you're talking about. It's again, yeah, it's, it's that other, it's the other, uh, land battleship looking thing, whole bunch of turrets on it and stuff. Yeah. It's them and the fins that can take it. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Yeah. I remember seeing an actual video of that thing trying to turn in a, a little town road. They had to back it up a few times to actually get it to turn. <laughs> Did they have to do the Austin Powers thing? Essentially, yeah. <laughs> so they couldn't make the turn, right? So, but yeah, this is this is one of those units that you put on the board for for fun. I would say just hundred percent out of the blue, just roll it out, you know, um, and just see what it does, kind of thing. I wouldn't use it in every game. Um, they probably didn't really even have much of it actually out on the battlefields anyways, but, uh, well, it's supposed to be a few yeah. of them out there, but. Yeah, there you go. Numbers manufactured, 10. Yeah. So, but, uh, interesting looking model. I know it's, uh, I think this one's a resin and pewter hybrid as well. I think they actually have one at the shop. But, uh, again, it, it is also a, a pricey kit. I think it's close to like a hundred dollars. So tank destroyers, they don't have that many. Uh, essentially they are like trucks with anti-tank guns on them. So, and this is where you can, it's, it's funny that most of the tanks don't have like I don't think any of the tanks have any medium anti-tank guns, but these tank destroyers do. And they're just, they're, they're soft skin, six plus soft skin trucks with some of them have like rear facing guns. And inexpensive too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, essentially that's, that's what they are. Open platforms, six plus soft skin, uh, with, anti-tank guns and then you start going into like trucks and and recce vehicles and armored cars uh, schneider low velocity anti-tank gun that kind of stuff recce seven plus armored cars you have your panhards uh, those are the ones probably i would take majority of the time they also look cool Yes, they do. I got one myself. <laughs> yeah, so do I. I have, I have the Schneider and the Panhard. Um, so, and then you, you know, you go into like the, the Laughleys and stuff. Uh, might be hard to find some of these miniatures. So, I mean, those two you kind of stuck with in a sense. Um, you have the other Panhard as well, 165, 75. Low velocity anti tank guns, gonna be upgraded. So again, these these, mm, I think they all have recce, don't they? Yes. All except for the AMR thirty three and thirty five. Yeah, that's right. But I was just gonna bring that up. 
That is quite the selection for armored car. Yep. Between the French, Soviets, and Germans, I would say those are the top three nations for good options in armored cars. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the French used used them quite a bit. Quite a bit, considering they'd be faster than their tanks. So, yeah, so it's pretty good. Uh, you know, you you start going to transport and tows. Um, essentially, you will have your trucks. Um, you have your armored carriers. You know what I'm I'm kind of looking at here. Uh, trucks carry you know like twelve men. Seven men with some of these armored carriers. Uh, the usual, you know, pintle-mounted weapons. They're kind of all over the place. You got... Uh, oh, that's an interesting one. The Lorraine 38 carrier can carry 12 men, and it's the 7-plus armored carrier. 74 points for a regular. Ooh, I never caught that one. Yeah, that's interesting. Um... The Lafley S20 TL six-wheel truck. I think that's the one I have. Um, apparently, it can have a command. It's a command vehicle if you wanted to. Don't know if I would do that or not, but it's an option. Uh, what else we got here? Yeah, a couple different uh, armored carriers, which is interesting. Weapons none. Options. Lorraine, 37. Again, another armored carrier. So they have options for that. Model-wise, again, might be hard to find some stuff. They're, I'm sure they're out there. Um, I haven't really looked too, too much into transports as I don't use them that often, except for the one unit that I do use it with, but usually it's a truck. So, and that kind of comes to the end of, of, you know, vehicles and whatnot. And, uh, you do have theater selectors in this book, you know, the phony war, uh, battle of France and defense of Vichy as well. So, uh, you have a few, you know, a f three of them to play around with. Uh, essentially that's this book, you know, in, in, in a little overview here on the podcast, um, I do like playing the army. It's, it's fun for me to play it. Uh, I love seeing it on the board. There is a challenge with it cause it is a little bit of an underdog. Um, but again, you know, uh, France did have lots of issues in the war, of course, um, just with command and, and use of their equipment and the deployment and, and all that stuff. Right. So being able to, to play them on the on the tabletop and actually get a victory is pretty neat so um yourself chris i'm sure you're you're enjoying playing them so far absolutely nice our our slow grow league at uh at this time of recording is still at 500 points so i've really only played smaller points levels yeah but i'm definitely looking forward to when we get up to a thousand or even doing a pickup game at 1250 yep I think that would be very, very interesting. We'll have to, um, you know what? I'll have to build, because um, I do have the models for it, but I'll make a 
early war German army. And uh, we haven't we haven't played in a long time against each other, so um, yeah, we'll uh, I'll do an early war German army, and then we can square off one day and get a good little battle going. That'd be a lot of fun. I'm always sounds good. I'm I might always, have to have you over. I got a very large, all painted early war German army. Oh, there we go. Very nice. Might just have your name all over it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always fun having those fun battles like that, right? And uh usually they last for a few hours and there's always good stories and moments behind them, which is pretty cool. And get to take some pretty cool pictures. So um but yeah, that's that's pretty much it for the Army of France. Uh only other thing is, you know, if you want to expand on them, there are the other campaign books. Uh, that you could go into a lot more units, a lot more theater selectors, uh, you know, a lot more options. It gives a bit more flair to the army as well. Uh, I'm very pleased with the army. Uh, I'm very pleased that they had expanded on them. And I'm hoping that there may be a new miniature range that might be coming out or they're changing some things. Um, not 100% sure. I'm just kind of guessing on that. Just heard a little tidbits here and there. So we'll see about that. Um, hopefully that happens this year. That actually came out in a video uh, released by Warlord. Uh, I don't remember when it came out, but they had their media day. Yep. And some of the videos they posted their Q&A sessions online to uh, YouTube. And I'm sure if anybody was interested, you could look it up. And they did confirm that it's in the works for Plastic French from Warlord Games. Yeah, and I, I think that's probably where I heard it because I remember seeing some of these YouTube videos that came out on my feeds and it's, you know, uh, some of the big guys there, right, talking yep. about that stuff and people asking the questions, So, which is which is really cool. I, I do like how Warlord Games does that. You know, they're, um, they're straight up with with the communities and stuff and they kind of show what's going on in the background and and uh, what they're working on or what their plans are or how things are actually done for, you know, when somebody starts asking about, are they going to make a set for this, for sprues for this? You know, they, they go come out and write and say, you know, it, it, it costs $30,000 to come up with a, a set. So we have to decide where that, money's going to go for what set and this and that right so you know um so i do like that uh but again uh the french army it's fun to play it's fun to work on uh miniature wise and whatnot uh you know checking out the colors the paints you know um there's a whole bunch of miniature ranges out there that you can see online it, it's it's pretty neat um and then, of course, you can put your own little spin to it, you know. So, yourself, Chris? I'm enjoying playing them. For maybe those that uh, are a little anxious and want to get started on their own French army and maybe aren't too interested in the early war French, uh, there is the Battle of France book that adds some units to the French army as we discuss the, uh, the Western Desert. Add some units there. That's worth a good pickup, which is an excellent campaign book just in itself. 
-hmm. And the Battle of the Bulge campaign book covers late war French once they start joining the fight after liberation. So, do with that information as you will, everyone. Nice. And there's a, and with that, there's a, there's a great opportunity for small little conversions for a late war French army, right? So, yeah. You know, Despite what everybody says, they are not just Americans with different <laughs> flags. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of little details that you can throw in, and uh, you know, if you're a hobbyist first. Um, you appreciate that. And of course, you know, if you're right into the historical, um, you definitely can add that flavor to your, to your army. So, um, but again, Chris, thanks for joining me on this one. Uh, it's always fun to do these kind of episodes and chit chat, you know. Thank you for having me on. No problem. So hope you guys uh, enjoyed that little overview of the army. Uh, you know, it's not one of the, uh, the big mainstream nations that everybody might play, but it gives you a little bit of insight in the army. If you had any interests, uh, you know, if there's any comments or, or things you'd like to share with us or, uh, even touch base with ideas that you had, please, um, you know, let us know on the comments. Uh, you can email us, messenger us, all that stuff. Check out our Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Share your pictures. We love seeing it. You know, check out all the socials um, and we will, you know, be continuing doing this throughout the year. Uh, just kind of hitting up some of the armies and whatnot. I'm going to decide which one to do next. So, um, but yeah, we'll, uh, we'll keep sharing this kind of stuff. We'll uh, have some more hobby stuff happening as well. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it all and, you know, keep rolling those dice on the tabletop and we'll catch you guys next time.